But I want to get to the Word of God this morning. I want to go to probably one of the favorite passages for the child of God. We were in the Psalms just a moment ago. I'm going to ask you to locate Psalm 27, if you would please, Psalm 27. And I'm looking at the clock, and I want to be very cautious and very kind to you if I can. And that is, uh, I want to go as quickly as I can, yet at the same time, I want to uh, try to be as thorough as the Spirit of God would lead us to do so. I want to read verses 1 through verse 6 of Psalm 27. If you'll locate that in your Bibles, keep your Bibles open in your lap because we'll be referring to these passages. I just basically want to give you uh, perhaps maybe a Sunday school lesson that will challenge our hearts and to encourage you. As a pastor, I realize that we're living in a day and the Brother Eddie in his prayers were just referring to the Lord about the times in which we live. This has been a horrendous week in America with all of the uh, deaths of young people and just the mass shootings and all of the wretchedness that we see, and this is just multiplying. It's almost like I could give the, I could give the new newscast every evening at 11 o'clock because it's always in Raleigh and Durham, this area, there are people being killed every day. And my, we think about that in our own personal lives and how that affects us. And we look at the world as uh, the scope of the world and all of what's happening in our world today. And all the nations that are strengthening their hatred against uh, freedom. And there again, all they want is power and control. And all of this is magnified. And oh, how God's people need to encourage ourselves with our God. And I trust to do that this morning. I look at this passage, and let me read again for sake of time, verses 1 through verse 6, all the time that we'll have. I'll come back later sometime and look at verses 7 through the end of the psalm. But let's just look at this morning at these six passages. The Word of God tells us in Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple." Verse 5 says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And verse 6 says, And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Father, I trust that you would allow us now to sit under the table of the inspired Word of God, that you may feed our souls today and remind us of what we have in our Savior. As Brother Brent said just a moment ago, there may be some men and women here today, young people, that really are suspicious about their relationship with you. They're not so sure that they know Christ is their Savior. They're not so sure because of the pathway that they have followed in life. And so, Father, I pray today the Spirit of God would grip their minds and their hearts. Father, minister to my heart as well, to all of us that have gathered, those that may be watching by streaming this service today. I pray that Christ would be honored in all that we do. 
and we'll praise you and thank you in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. It is striking to me and to any person that reads the Word of God that throughout the Word of God, there are those people, men and women, who became our heroes as we read the Word of God, and yet there were times in their life that there were periods of great fear. I think about this man, Moses. He did everything he could to stay out of Egypt after he ran after 40 years. You know the story about Moses and to go back and to encounter Pharaoh and to lead the people of God out. God had to encourage him and strengthen him. Gideon also argued with God. He felt like the Lord was making a big mistake. None of you have ever thought that, I'm sure. But Gideon thought that. Oh, me going against the armies of the Midianites? No way. That's no way possible. I think about Joshua. God had to assure Joshua as he would lead the people across the Jordan River and to lead them into the promised land. And yet here was a man that was tempted by fear. I think about the people of Israel who rebelled against the Lord and refused to go into Canaan because they were afraid of the giants of the enemy there that they would face. The Amorites in Deuteronomy chapter 1. The soldiers of Israel stayed in their tents, shaking in their boots when the voice of the great warrior Goliath screamed out against them. I think about that guy in the New Testament named Peter. Peter was afraid to identify himself as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize that you and I, as I've just mentioned, has been mentioned today in the prayer. We're living in a time of fear. We're living in a time of great wickedness and evil like some of us have never seen before in America. We see that our world is changing, but our culture is changing. We're seeing some unprecedented things happen and take place that brings fear to our lives. There's a challenge to all of us. Some of you in your personal life, you care nothing about what's going on worldwide or nationally. You care nothing about that. But I guarantee you, some of you just thought about some personal things, challenges in your life that are causing fears to arise in your soul in your heart. Oh, my friend today, that's a reality that we need to understand. I think about what Mordecai said to Esther. He said, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that God has called us to this time. If you know Christ is your Savior, God knows exactly. He knew, He knows, and He will, my friend. He understands exactly what we're confronting in our lives. He knows how our culture is changing. Some of us grew up back in a long time ago in the 50s and on some of you even further back than that. And we we really had a a, a glorious time and the freedoms were enjoyable and we were blessed. But now we see those freedoms are being plucked one by one away from us. There again, it grieves our heart. It grieves our spirit. I looked at this passage today and I find some encouragement I find a challenge to my heart. Are your Bibles still open? I trust they are. Look at this passage. In Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6, you'll note in these first six verses that there is a word that's repeated some three times. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, the last word of that first sentence, fear. Verse 1, the last word of the second sentence is afraid. That's the verb form of fear. Look at the second line of verse 3. My heart shall not fear. You see, David is anticipating that feeling. 
He knows something about the encroachment of enemy. It was a, it was a terrible thing in that ancient day to wake up and to discover that your city was surrounded by the enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, we realize again that we may not have that same experience, but there are those things that, that mount up against us. Their heaviness of the, of the challenges that we face, the burdens, those things that we face in all of our lives. But I want you to note how he ends in verse 3, the stanza with another important word. Look, if you would, at the last part of verse 3. I love this. You need to have this underlined in your Bibles. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. confident. Folks, look at this. Confidence is a certain kind of trust. You say, what kind, of, what kind of trust is confident trust? Well, look at verse 1 once again. Let's read it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And boy, you read that and you say, man, that's bold. That's exactly what kind of confidence that David is speaking about here. It is a bold confidence. A bold confidence. It's a confidence that's fearless, secure, assured. And that's what we have in this first section of Psalm 27. I wish we had time to look at verses 7 to the end. In that section, we find here that faith is crying out to the Lord. Faith is depending upon the Lord. I look at verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. We see, we see that the man of God here... He is rejoicing. He has a faith that's confident. And folks, I rejoice in seeing what the Lord is doing. So here's a stance. Here's a stance. Here's a a position. Our posture that we're to have in the face of troubles and trials and the temptations of life and those those things that are, uh, are hurting you at this moment. They're frightening you. Here's the stance that we're to have. And the scripture lets us know there is an available bold trust, a confidence in spite of fears. Folks, this uh, Hebrews calls it having full assurance of your faith. May we look at a few things today as we look at this passage that I pray is ministered to my heart. And I hope it will minister to your heart as well. Here is a trust that is confident and bold, and it is evidenced, number one, in our prospect of the most severe threats. Here is a trust that is confident and bold, and is evidenced in our prospect of the most severe threats. Look at verse 2. The reason I emphasize that, because look at verse 2 once again. Psalm 27 and verse 2, When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me, To eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. You know, this would give you the impression that that a bold trust, a bold faith in the Lord is something that's based upon past actions. It is something that has taken place. And indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we live on that. Our faith is built up. The Word of God is a testimony of past things. What God has done in our lives. I wonder, I wonder how many of you could stand up and give a testimony today. Don't do it, we don't have enough time. And give up a, a, a testimony and say, hey, God answered a prayer in my life this past week. God, I've seen the Lord work in my heart. I have felt the nudges of the Spirit of God as He would recall to me a scripture, a, a truth that I've learned in my life. 
So folks, indeed, looking at our past life and what God has done in his work in our lives, it builds our faith. But folks, what I want to challenge you about is to think about what God has given to us in the future. What we need to see here is in prospect or in respect to the future of having a bold confidence. What are you talking about? May I read verse 3 in a little bit different light and in this sense? And I think it's true to the passage. Look at verse 3 again. Though if in the future, though if in the future a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though if in the future war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Folks, it's a kind of confidence envisioning a worst case scenario. And some of you already have that in your mind. It's on the screen of your mind. You have, you have that in your mental calendar. I've got to face this worst case scenario. And you do that in verse 3 in the light of this particular confidence that the Lord is trying to teach us about faith. It's the kind of thing you see in Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they refused to bow before Nebuchadnezzar's image, and you know the account in the book of Daniel, and how that the threat, if they would disobey, that they would be thrown into a fiery furnace. And we see there again, these men, they're projecting this, this kind of perspective of faith, this confidence. Whatever we have to face in the future, God is able to take care of us. I remind you of Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. We remember these men. They said, if it be so, Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And folks, we have here, Nebuchadnezzar was basically asking, can your God deliver you? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to realize that often Satan whispers that in our ear. Can God deliver you from this? Often our flesh, the circumstances are so intimidating to our lives. It throws that question, can God really deliver you in this situation? And I, I think about what they would have said. If you're asking about his power, he can. If you're asking about his purpose, we're not sure about his purpose. But you do what you have to do, Nebuchadnezzar, but God, God's going to take care of us. If it's your business to throw us in the furnace, it's God's business to take care of us. And amen to that kind of confidence that we can have in our lives. I rem am reminded in that phrase in Daniel 3, in verse 18, when he says, but if not. Hey, these three were, uh, were delivered from the fiery furnace. We know the account. We praise God for that. John the Baptist gave a comparable testimony and witness for the Lord, and yet he was beheaded. I think about uh, there again, uh, Peter who preached, and 3,000 were saved. Stephen gave an able witness as well, and yet we know that he was stoned to death for his faith, for his testimony. I think about the disciples on the stormy sea, and that boat was going up and down. Great fear. What are they going to do? And the Lord arises as peace be still. And we praise the Lord for that. We love to hear that. But I remind you that Paul the apostle was in a shipwreck. You say, we see here, folks, 
that there again we must accept the work of God. We must accept his ways. We must trust him in our lives. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Praise God for that. That's, that. that's that perspective faith. That's that confidence that we can have, dear folks. Not only knowing what God has done in the past, but ladies and gentlemen, to look to the future and all of the challenges and all of the mountains and all of the Goliaths that we're going to face and know that God is able to take care of us. That is the message that I find here from the psalmist. A trust that is confident and bold is evidenced in our prospect in respect to the future of our facing the most severe threats. It's a kind of faith that willingly abandons past desires, present delights, and future dreams out of loyalty to God. I love this illustration. I know this is a great missions church. We have missionaries here today. and God bless you. You are our heroes. We praise the Lord for you. My mind goes back in mission's history. I think about Adoniram Judson, the first Protestant missionary to walk away from a comfortable life in America, spending his life in Burma in those years. It's right north of Thailand. Before he embarked on his journey, the story of his life tells us, he fell in love with a wealthy young woman who also loved Christ, as did her parents. Young people are thinking, oh, to find someone who loves Christ, and also they're wealthy. I know you're praying for that. But this lady was. Adonai wrote a letter to her father asking permission to marry his, his daughter. His letter revealed the cost of living for Christ and serving Christ in Burma. His proposed spelled out the sacrifice it would demand for both he and his wife to go through with. And this is what he wrote. He's writing this letter to this dear Ladies that he won't, he loves, he wants to marry. He is requesting. Oh, we had this today. He was requesting her hand in marriage from her dad. He wrote, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure to a heathen land and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory, with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from heathens saved through her means and from eternal woe and despair. And her father said yes. And she said yes as well. Faith is abandoning past desires and present delights and future dreams out of loyalty to God in light of the glorious blessings of of serving Him and loving Him and, and pleasing Him and being faithful to Him. There's a price in serving the Lord. But my friend, listen, that ought to rejoice your heart because you have the opportunity to trust God. I don't think there's anything, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, I don't think there's anything that pleases the Lord's heart more from His children than for us to trust in Him. To trust Him for today, to trust Him for tomorrow. 
So a trust that is confident and bold is evidenced in our prospect of the most severe threats. But I want you to look at something else. Number two, a trust that is confident and bold is evidenced. And listen to this, and I'll I'll repeat this two or three times. A trust that is confident and bold is evidenced in our perception of the magnificent specifics of our Lord's attributes. Let me say that again. A trust that is confident and bold is evidenced in our perception, our grasp, our knowledge of the glorious specifics of our Lord's attributes. What in the world are you talking about, dear brother? Well, look once again at verse 1 of Psalm 27. The scripture says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Folks, how do we use a psalm like this to add to our faith, to help build our faith? You have in those first lines here in verse 1, David fastening on specifics. Specifics. He's looking at details about the attributes of God. Look at it again, please. He talks about the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is is the strength of my life. He's looking at the Lord and he's looking at details. And folks, you find that so many times in the Psalms especially. You find various places where we have these designations, these various attributes of God. And folks, I think this is very important for us. Someone has said generalities only give general, mediocre confidence. Let me say that again. Generalities only give general, mediocre confidence. It's when you get specific about God, when you put your gaze upon God, when you adhere to the very words of God, every word. There's not a word in all of our Bibles, dear folks, that's put there for just to fill in. Every word's from God, and every word is important, and especially those attributes that are showcased for us about our gods, uh, our God. We are to know those. We are to look at those And attain those in our hearts and our lives. Look at verse 1 again. I'll keep reading that. Of whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? In other words, if this is really who God is, then whatever, whatever, bring it on. My God is able to help me through anything that I face in life. Ladies and gentlemen, how is that done? Well, there again, we realize That here we are to get into this discipline of knowing our God. We come to church. I remember so often coming at Bible Baptist all those years. And it got to in the last several years, people would come to church. They'd come in, how are you doing? No Bible, no Bible, no Bible. Now, I appreciate us showing scriptures on the. That's great, that's great. Please, thank you. Lord bless you. But folks, I'm going to tell you, it it is something to have to know the mind and heart of God, we have a copy of it right here. All that he wants us to know. And I find that so important. I don't want to forget that. What is there that will arm us and keep us from being paralyzed by fear and pressing on with boldness and confidence? The only way that's going to happen is to, first of all, every week when we gather together, you need to get in the habit of start talking. How are you doing? Doing good. Let me tell you what God did this week in my life. God helped prevent an accident in my life. God touched a sick child in my life. God answered this prayer in my life. 
Hey, folks, that's just looking at the specifics of what God, who He is, and what He can do. That's good for us to talk about that. It's good for us to pray that way. When you hear someone pray, you, st- you hear them start talking about the attributes, the excellencies of God. And that builds our faith. And, of course, we get into the Scripture. We are digging in the Word of God, noting the specifics. For instance, if, I, if it gets really, really dark in the next few months, <laughs> we can rest in this, that God is our light. Amen? That's verse 1 again. We find ourselves overwhelmed in prison. God is our salvation, our deliverance. He intervenes when we're in a fix. If we're attacked this week, the Lord is the defense of our life. You see what's happening here? Folks, we find a lot of Psalms especially, and and they start out and there's just this pile of attributes about God. We have it here. Can you keep your finger in Psalm 27? Turn back to Psalm 18. And you'll start reading your Bibles. And let me encourage you, when you read your Bibles, not only in the Psalms, but anywhere in your Bible, when you see an attribute of God, you probably need to write that down. You need to circle that. Look at Psalm 18, verse 1 and 2. David starts out, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my buckler the horn of my salvation and my high tower. You, have you, you, you've noticed that? You've read these before? Folks, let me remind you, uh, that, that is not just poetic words. Here we find that the writer, he's detailing the perfections of God, the excellencies of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand it's important that we zero in in the focus of our, of our faith of our, of our disciplines in the Word of God, when we come to church, when we're talking with fellow believers, that we zero in on some of the things about our great God. And that's what we have in this passage. It's that specificity that grounds your confidence and your boldness. And that's so important for us. Oh, folks, listen, I, I, I would challenge you. I would challenge you. Some of you do this. I would challenge you that you would take a, a notebook And as you read the Word of God, write down those particular attributes of God that God blesses your soul with because you're going to need it tomorrow. You're going to need to know those things next week. You're going to need to know those things. All through these years at Bible Baptist Church, I have encouraged our folks, here is a little $2 book. I'll sell it to you since you're my friend for $5. But anyway... This little book, the Bible Promise Book, you ever heard of this? It's been around forever. I need to really find out the history of who put this together. But what a a service for the child of God. And to go through, uh, it it says here, uh, 1,000 promises from God's Word. Oh my, to realize that our God keeps His promises. He gives us His Word. To focus upon this is a wonderful and marvelous thing. Let me encourage you to do that. Some years ago, Gail and I, and our sons, who attended the school here, we were making our way to England. And uh, we uh, had the bright idea of driving up to Boston. And we did that. And while we were waiting a day or so in Boston, we went up to uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts. And I wanted to go to a particular church there that had always captured my mind as I studied about one of the great evangelists of church history, is George Whitfield. George Whitfield, he died September the 30th, 1770. And of all places, folks, 
they buried him under the pulpit. Now, of course, it's a very high pulpit. It's nothing like you're thinking, we can't bury Brother Bob under this pulpit. Don't think about that. Deacons, that's not a good idea. But George Whitfield, I've seen that. Some of you perhaps have been there. And it's at the South Presbyterian, the old South Presbyterian Church there in Newburyport, Massachusetts. And we were visiting there in June of 1998. We were getting ready to take our trip. We would fly on British Air from there over to to England. And I was looking around, went up to the pastor's office, and I discovered that some of the books from the pastor that followed George Whitfield, his name was Jonathan Parsons, Jonathan Parsons. Some of his library was left behind. It was behind a, a, a kind of a wired case so nobody could mess with the books and for us preachers that would visit there. And what, what struck me looking, looking at those books from the man who followed George Whitfield, most of those books that were in his library in, in the 1700s, listen, they were books of theologies. They were books on the attributes of God. No wonder they had revival. No wonder there was great blessings of revival in New England during those days. Why? Because the focus that the pastors gave to their people and the people adhered to was the attributes of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to look at our God. I don't say this to be blasphemous. I'm I'm very careful But there are times that we need to feel God's muscles. And when you read the Word of God and you walk the pathway of life and you see God deliver you, you realize that He's got strength, He's got muscles enough to take care of you. What a blessing that is to my heart. So a trust that is confident is bold and bold is evidenced in our prospect of facing the most severe threats in our perception of the magnificent specifics of our Lord's attributes. Can I give you one more? We'll be done. Look again at Psalm 27 and look at verses 4 through verse 6. Because I would say thirdly, a trust that is confident and bold is evidenced in our pursuit of the most supreme security from our Lord. In our pursuit of the most supreme security from our Lord. Again, pastor, what are you talking about? Well, may we read the passage very quickly? Psalm 27, look at verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion, and the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer... In his tabernacle, sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. We have David giving his one request that I see thus far in the study of this psalm. Here's this one request. And it is to be able to remain in the Lord's presence. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no greater security for the child of God but to realize and believe it and to experience of living in God's presence. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Oh my. You'll note in the passage in verse 4, he talks about the house of the Lord. Verse 4, his temple. 
Verse 5 and 6, his pavilion, his tabernacle. The Lord's, this is talking about the Lord's presence. David is requesting that God's presence would be a continuous reality. He wanted in his heart to be as close to God as possibly uh, could where God had manifested his presence. Confident trust wants the awareness of God's presence. Knowing, dear folks, that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. There's nothing like that. Hey, folks, Paul the Apostle cried out that I may know him, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And we all know, you've been taught this, that I may know him, that word know, gnosko, is to know him by experience. Now listen, we, we, listen the, Bible, the Bible describes to us, dear folks, the truth about God. And that results in our experiences. We've got to be careful. There are a lot of folks, they take their experiences and they build their theology on their experiences. No, 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 no. We get our experiences from the theology that's already given to us in the Word of God. And we've got to be careful about that. But dear folks, oh, to know the presence of God. That is a marvelous thing. Why is it so so great to behold the beauty of the Lord? To be sheltered by Him. All this is a glorious, glorious truth. What does David say in this passage? Look, if you would, he talks about this matter. He talks about this matter, giving sacrifices to the Lord. What a blessing. Hey, folks, so since, have you? Listen, I, I don't know of any greater place to sense the presence of the Lord than to come to church. I, I, you know, you can pull into some church parking lots and sense the presence of the Lord. Lord's here. A blessing's here. You get in the foyer of the church. My, my, my. How are you doing? How's Aunt Susie doing? You know, how, you know, how are your ducks doing? How are your chickens doing? You get over that, then all of a sudden, somebody said, the Lord's blessed me this week. And already you start sensing the presence of the Lord. I think that's a marvelous thing, dear folks. The singing of the gospel hymns as we did this morning. The sitting in the pews. The actual looking to the pulpit and having the Bible taught and preached to you. Haven't you found a sense of God's presence simply by being in God's house? I hope you have. And I, 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 there again, there's no excuse for not feeling that way in this place as they magnify the Lord. Oh, I think that's very important. I think, uh, listen, we need to sense the presence of the Lord. Can I bring up another missionary? His name was uh, uh, J. Hudson Taylor. He would say this. There was a time he had over 600 missionaries in, in the country of China. And a lot of them were going through all kinds of hardships that they were facing. And he sent this message out to those missionaries. He said, put your finger on a particular promise of God. Put your finger. Be specific. Put your finger on the promise, on an attribute of God, on God's promise that he gives to us. And folks, that was the encouragement that he gave there was another missionary named John Patton or Peyton. He went to the islands of the South Pacific during the time that there were cannibals. Very dangerous place to be. He gives in his biography after the measles epi epidemic that killed thousands on the islands for which the missionaries were blamed. John Payton wrote this, During the crisis, I felt generally calm and firm of soul, standing erect with my whole weight on the promise. Lo, I am with you always. You remember that in Matthew 28, the Great Commission? The Lord gave that promise. How often I adored Jesus for it and rejoiced in it. Blessed be his name. 
The power of this promise became real to John Patton, this missionary, and it's become real to a lot of people. I think of David Livingston. That was one of his great encouragements to know the Lord says he promised, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll always be with you. I like what John Payton would, would write. Some 20 years later, he wrote, Without that abiding consciousness of the presence and power of my dear Lord and Savior, nothing else in all the world could have preserved me from losing my reason and perishing miserably. In his words, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, became to me so real that it would not have startled me to behold him as Stephen did, gazing down upon the scene. I felt his supporting power. It is the sober truth. It comes back to me sweetly after 20 years that I had my nearest and dearest glimpses of the face and smiles of my blessed Lord in those dread moments when musket, club, or spear was being leveled at my life. Oh, the bliss of living and enduring and seeing him who is invisible. Oh, dear folks, do you have that? How do we get our faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Folks, do you have a confident faith? Not only knowing what God has done in your past, but what God can do in your life, in the future, in the things that you've got to face tomorrow, in the next day, in the next year. And ladies and gentlemen, that ought to give us great confidence and faith in our life. This is how we use this psalm to prepare us though war should rise against us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned that. And David gave us the exact, excuse me, Daniel gave us the exact answer to the question, how did they do that? How could they face the furnace of fire? How could they do that with such confidence in their God? And Daniel says in Daniel 11, verse 32, the latter part of that verse, the people that do know their God, his specifics, shall be strong and do exploits or take action. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how it's going to take place for you and I. I pray that we understand that we have a God that we can trust in. Is God calling you to do something? Is God challenging your life with a call and a new purpose that you've never had before? Dear folks, you can trust Him. He rules every situation he rules every location and relationship in which he calls us to follow. He is amazing in his wisdom, abundant in his grace, and boundless in his love. He is saving, forgiving, transforming, and delivering. What he says it is always best, and what he requires is always good. When he calls, he goes with you. What he calls you to do, he empowers by his grace. When he guides, he protects he stands with power and faithfulness behind every one of his promises. He has never failed to deliver anything that he has promised. There is simply no risk in answering the call of the King of Kings. There are some of you, there's someone at least in this congregation and God's calling you to a particular ministry. And so far it's been nothing but fear. But I tell you on the authority of the King and of his word, and of his promises, that you can trust him, you can follow him. My pastor, who went home to be with the Lord in 1979, he would often tell us, when I was a youngster, I remember this story. 
He told us about the story of many years ago, 100 years ago or more. And I have heard this story in a couple of commentaries that kind of verified that perhaps this might be a true story. In upper state New York, in the dead of winter, there was a dear man that was hiking through the state. He came up to the Hudson River. It was frozen over. This man had not crossed it before. He didn't know about the thickness of the ice. So this dear man came to the edge and he put his hand down and then he put a knee down and another hand, another knee, and he started crawling across this river. He was so afraid. He didn't want to, of course, crash through the ice and, and die. And he was just there again, just very, very softly making his way across this frozen river. And about halfway through the frozen river, he heard this awful noise and he, he just turned his head to look back and he saw a wagon pulled by some several horses and it was loaded down and the driver, he came crashing across the frozen river and he went right by this man who was on his all fours, scared to death. And the moral of the story is that the man in the driving the wagon full loaded down, he knew the thickness of the ice. But the man making his way timidly across the river on his hands and on his knees, he didn't know the thickness of the ice. Ladies and gentlemen, this world knows, this world knows when we have a confident, bold faith because they understand, hey, they know the God that they serve. Ladies and gentlemen, I challenge you today. Do you know God? Where is your gaze? Again, forgive me. When's the last time you felt his muscles by trusting in his word and seeing him work in your life to give you victories? Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to continue on in this day and be a lighthouse for Jesus Christ, we've got to have churches that are made up of men and women and young people that have a bold, confident faith, not only, not only in what God has done in the past, and we rejoice and give testimony of that, but what, listen, whatever we face, our God can take care of us. I want to give you a prayer request, and that is Psalm 27. <laughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Would you stand with me, please? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I want to thank you for listening so good today. Pastor Bob has taught you well. and This is a strong church. Hey, folks, please trust me and believe me on this. This is a God has blessed this place. It's blessed because people like you, you trust in God. You're obedient to him. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy but to trust and obey. And dear folks, let me just challenge you today that, hey, I don't know what I have to face today or tomorrow. I don't know. But I tell you what, I'm glad that we can trust God. I'm glad that Gail and I, through these years, we've been able, been able to trust God. And he has blessed us. He's taken care of us. He's watched over us. He's provided for us. With all kinds of challenges and troubles and trials, I could go on the rest of the day. It's time to go. But I'm going to tell you, God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. 
Our Father, I pray today for this good church. I thank you, Father, for Psalm 27. Father, so many passages that we could have gone to today, but I thank you for laying this passage upon my heart. I pray that someone listening needed the message. I pray that you've done a work in someone's heart. I pray that you have challenged us to trust you on a scale like we've never trusted you before. Father, it is amazing that when we come to times that are urgent, times that are pressing, when there are emergencies that come into our life, it should drive us to our knees. We should be a people of prayer. We should be a people that are willing to trust you no matter. If, if you take everything away, we have you. Nobody can take you away from us. And I pray, Father, that you will help us to cry out to you. Oh, God, give me that kind of bold confidence, a bold confidence, a trusting confidence, that confidence that I can live no matter when the, when the phone rings or they knock on the door for the news that they had to give me, no matter, I can have a confidence. The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. He's my rock. He's my strong tower. Oh, I pray, Father, that you'll give us that kind of faith. May we determine today, oh God, to help us to be people that look to you, to know you, and we'll praise you and thank you. In Christ's name I do pray.